Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Uh, before we get into the message today, I just want to give a little shout out to our Wednesday night prayer gathering. You know, we were in a series on corporate prayer a few weeks back. That series has ended for our Sunday services, but corporate prayer keeps going. <laughs> So, so every Wednesday night, we're here at 7 o'clock right here in the worship center, just gathering together as God's people and crying out to him. I got to say, I needed it this week. Anybody with me? Some, some of you are like, oh, he, here he's going. <laughs> I, I don't know where you're at this week. Can we all just agree on one thing? It's a mess. Like this week was an absolute mess, no matter who you're for or what party or whatever, it was a mess. And I got to say, a couple weeks back, Pastor Jeff preached about kingdom confidence and I said yes and amen and my confidence is in God's kingdom and no other kingdom. And then there was just this wait this week. I just, I thought we were going to be done with all this. And then there was violence brewing, the disunity is still happening, we're not done doesn't end. I walked in here Wednesday night with a heaviness on my soul. I don't think I was the only one. Here's what I can say. I walked out a whole lot different. Because as I gathered with God's people, I realized my eyes were fixed on the wrong kingdom. My eyes were fixed on the wrong thing. So I just want to ask that question this morning. What are your eyes fixed on this morning? So, so maybe with the state of everything today, the state where, where we rest right now, maybe you're disappointed and disillusioned about where things are at. Listen, where are your eyes fixed? And, and maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you're, you're satisfied with the way things are and you're, you're thrilled with the way things are landed right now. Listen, where are your eyes fixed? Let's make sure we don't fix our eyes on circumstances. Yeah, circumstances matter. Yeah, the kingdoms of this world, what goes on around us, it, it matters. But it doesn't matter most, right? Let's fix our eyes on what matters most and walk with kingdom confidence. He still reigns above it all. Amen? All right. Well, we are uh, continuing this morning in uh, our series, Advent Conspiracy. And if you weren't with us last week, you were wondering why the heck are we talking about Advent already? Well, Walmart got ahead of us, right? So why not? Starting early. No, we're, we're talking about it. We're making a specific choice this year to talk about Advent a little early so that we can get ready. Because before we know it, the season of rush and bustle and consumerism and the lure of the purchases will all start in, right? We'll be in the middle of it before we know it. We need to get ready. So we want to prepare our hearts today and in this season to get ready for the next season so that we can walk through it in a better way. So Advent conspiracy, we want to conspire together. 
Conspire together. This is what Pastor Jeff led us through last week. To conspire is to act in harmony toward a common or agreed upon end. Do you know God is conspiring on our behalf? God is working out and he invites us to participate with his work to an end that is our lives fully transformed into his image. Our lives fully transformed into who he made us to be, his sons and daughters walking free. But we call that a conspiracy because it's kind of against the norm. See, we're, we live in this world, and if we're not careful, we can find ourselves, even though we claim to follow Jesus Christ, even though we claim to be sons and daughters of God, yes, we've decided to follow him with our lives. Before we know it, our lives can look a whole lot like everybody else in the world, and how do we look any different? See, that's why we need to conspire together for something different. This is a conspiracy. It means allowing God to challenge and change our assumptions, our traditions, our practices in every area of life, even and especially Christmas. So, so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the upcoming Christmas season, and yet this applies to every area of our lives. Will we conspire to allow God to transform every area of our lives and walk counter culture, not with the culture? So uh, about 10 years ago, a few pastors got together and they wanted to do Christmas different. And so they came up, they designed this Advent conspiracy. So we didn't come up with this ourselves. We're just following suit where, where God has moved before in his people in other areas of the world. We're going to move too. And so these are the, the four areas. And this is our framework for the series. Worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. And these pastors said, if we want to go through Christmas and actually not miss it this year, Actually, not get so busy, not just survive for Christmas, but actually experience it the way God intended to be it to be experienced, the way we should celebrate our Savior who has come down and entered our mess of a world for us, then this is where we need to focus. Worship fully. That's what Pastor Jeff led us through last week. And the rest of our series, this is just a maybe a fuller explanation of what worshiping fully actually means. Spending less, giving more, loving all. These are just other ways of saying worship fully. And so today we talk about spending less. This message is sure to make me popular with your kids. <laughs> My kids are coming to 11. We'll see what they think. Today's message is brought to you by Ebenezer Scrooge, the Grinch, and me. <laughs> Spend less on Christmas. I came up with that joke and then I realized that Scrooge and the Grinch were just messed up, broken dudes when left to themselves, and then their lives were redeemed and transformed. Hallelujah. So, I belong on that list too, huh? How about you? Spend less. If there's any way we're going to look, make our Christmases different than what the world, how the world celebrates Christmas, isn't it this? Isn't it spending less? You ever get to the end of the Christmas season and you're, you look at the bills, they, the credit card starts rolling in, you check out the Amazon account. I spent how much on Christmas? Oh, I didn't think I was spending that much. How did we end up spending so much? Have you ever been in that situation? I had no idea I was spending that much. How did I get here? Do you want to know how we got there? Here's one reason. Good advertising. <laughs> good advertising, right? Man, I don't think I need anything. I don't want anything for Christmas this year. 
My kids can't think of anything to put on their list. And then good advertising creeps in. <laughs> you watch the, see the social media ad or the ad online or the commercial and, oh, it just makes you lean forward and say, oh, that's, that could be good. See, good advertising, there's, there's a couple things in common with good advertising and all of it has in common. See, one of the things they do, you know what they do? They present a problem. This is the part is you're watching the commercial, it's the part in black and white, and there's the person who's just struggling, who looks like an imbecile. Usually it's a guy, because that's what our culture thinks of guys, but they're like, they're grabbing the, they're grabbing the trash bag out of the, out of the uh, can, and they pull it out too forcefully, and it rips and trash scatters all over, and the announcer gets on, are you tired of your garbage bags not holding your trash? Or, or are you tired of stains on your clothes that just don't get out? Are you tired of struggling to clean those hard-to-reach corners behind your couch? Are you tired of back pain? I don't know, whatever it is, they present a problem. And even though if the way they present it is ridiculous, it's still at the end of the, like, okay, that's a problem I can sort of identify with. That's happened to me before. I haven't looked that foolish, but that's happened to me before. And then I know, like, what they're coming with is going to be a solution. Oh, this could be good. And then what some commercials have, you know what they have is they have a testimonial. After they present the problem, they have a testimonial. If this product is so good, somebody's bought this before, somebody's used it, what do they think of it? And so sometimes it's the average Joe-looking guy, right, who they take extra pains to tell us, this is not an actor. This is a real-life man, and his name is actually Joe. And he tells us about how this new lawnmower changed his marriage. Oh, or maybe it's not the average looking guy. Maybe it's the celebrity sponsor, right? You've loved her in the movies. She was just, she broke your heart. So of course you're going to trust her opinion on car insurance. So they, they give us the testimonial. Yes. Don't trust us. Trust this guy. Trust this woman. And then, then they show you after the testimonial, they show you what your life would be like with this purchase. After this, imagine, get a new vision for your life. Imagine how different it would be. And this is the part of the commercial that's always in color. And everybody's happy and all smiles and they're leaping. This is the guy drives out of the garage with the new truck, right? And all the neighbors are craning their necks and turning their heads. Because all of a sudden he made this one decision and he's suddenly cool and hip and everybody wants to be him. And then after you imagine the changed life, then there, uh, of course, every commercial ends with a call to action, right? Buy now. Don't wait. This could be gone. So get out there and call. Get online and order this now. See, this is what good commercials do. And we all know that these ads, we all know that it's not going to be as great as this commercial says it is. We know this is advertising, and yet we go by anyway. Wouldn't it be great if we could find a commercial for something that really lived up to the promises? Like an ad for something that would really fulfill, that would really satisfy. Instead of buying this thing and your life doesn't quite look as good as the commercials look like, wouldn't it be great if there's an advertisement for something that actually mattered? That we would spend money and time and our lives for something that counted and actually satisfied. I found one. <laughs> I found a commercial that lives up to the hype. It's Isaiah chapter 55. <laughs> it's a commercial for the kingdom of God. And, and listen, I don't, I don't say Isaiah 55 is a commercial. I don't say that to diminish God's word, understand, right? 
I'm not trying to bring God's word down to advertising level. I'm trying to raise our expectations. Let's whet our appetites a little bit. Let's lean forward and say, oh, this could be good. Let's listen. This is the part of the program where I pause for a message from our sponsors. <laughs> few of you like that. Okay. Isaiah chapter 55. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler, a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Listen, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, so is my word, says the Lord. That goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure. Forever. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the pictures it gives us. God, as we see rain pour down on the ground and then we see the earth flourish. And the greens get more vibrant and everything bud and fruit come. Lord, just like that, you say your word is like that that you have a purpose for your word in our lives and then it will be completed. And so God, we claim that promise this morning as we turn to your word and seek out the goodness in it, Lord, work your purpose in us. Bear fruit in our lives. God, I ask that you might get anything of me out of the way, get anything of us, of our hearts, any distractions in our minds, get them out of the way so that we might hear from you this morning and that we might accept your invitation to participate with you in the conspiracy you're working in our lives. Transform us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So did you hear the commercial? 
Did you hear the advertisement in Isaiah chapter 55? See, it starts out, it starts out with the same way all commercials do. It starts out with the problem. It starts out with a problem we have in our lives. Are you tired of this? Did you hear it? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Can we admit this? When it comes to Christmas, we've just been spending and spending and spending and it doesn't satisfy. Would you agree we have a spending problem in America? Would you agree that maybe you do too? (laughs) That maybe I do too? See, sometimes we'll readily say, yeah, yeah, I know, I've got a spending problem. But do you know how bad? Let me just share a, a few things about Christmas buying. Christmas spending here in America. In 2014, six years ago, in 2014, uh, U.S. retail sales for the Christmas season were over $800 billion. Six years ago. Four years later, in 2018, they topped the one trillion mark. Folks, this is just in the U.S. Last year, we topped the one trillion mark by another $20 billion. Why does it keep going up and up and up and up? Because we're looking for something and it never fills us. Because we're spending on what isn't bread and what doesn't satisfy. In 2019, U.S. households spent an average of $1,500 on extra holiday spending. I heard that. I heard $1,500. I expected that to be more. And then I realized the reason I expected it to be more is because my household spending is a little bit closer to the average than I would like. Maybe I have a spending problem too. How about you? One quarter of Americans, one quarter of Americans expect to go into debt this year because of Christmas. That's 82 million people expect to go into debt this year. Now, I'm not one of them. Do you know why? (laughs) Because I've been in debt before because of Christmas. And this year I'm planning my overspending, right? So one quarter of America expects to go into debt. That doesn't count the, count the rest of us that plan our overspending. Why do we keep buying all this stuff? Well, it's for other people. We love them. We want to show our love. We want to find the perfect gift that says, I love you. Except most of us know we're probably not going to do that. You know why? 60% of shoppers consider it very important for something to be returned easily. (laughs) We all want the gift receipt. This gift is just to say, I love you. And here's a gift receipt just in case, right? We know this because we've opened that sweater, right? Oh, thank you. You peek underneath and there's the gift receipt. Thank you so much. (laughs) It just gets so much on us, right? (laughs) But we spend all this money on gifts to say, I love you. And then best estimates are $90 billion worth of it gets returned every single year. UPS has unofficially named a new holiday. January 3rd is National Returns Day, where 1.5 million packages get returned. How's this spending going for us, right? But we tell ourselves it's for other people. We love them. We're being generous. Which is why over half of Christmas shoppers also buy gifts for themselves. Anybody? Anybody there? Or am I the only one? Done that a few times in the past. 
Here's the thing we got to ask ourselves. What is, what story is our spending telling us? Do you know your spending tells a story? Do you know how you spend money tells a story? See, this is what we went through. Do you, you all remember, some of you were with us earlier this year when we went through the treasure principle. We talked about the treasure keys. It's out there in the lobby if, if you want a copy of this. We talked about this earlier this year, way before this year went down the toilet, right? And I don't have time to go over all of them, but I just want to mention a, a, a couple. God owns everything. We are his money managers. This is what we said. It's not our money, folks. It's God's. Every cent of it. So when I spend my money, it's not my money I'm spending. It's God's money. And this was the second key. Our hearts always go where we put God's money. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How we spend God's money tells a story. What story is American spending telling? And even if you're far from those statistics and you say, that's not me, I'm nowhere close to that. Okay, listen, what story does your Christmas spending tell? How are you spending God's money every Christmas. Richard Foster writes this. He says, our need for security has led us into an insane attachment to things. We really must understand that the lust for affluence, the lust to have more and more and more stuff in contemporary society is psychotic. It is psychotic because it has completely lost touch with reality. We crave things we neither need nor enjoy. The mass media have convinced us that to be out of step with fashion is to be out of step with reality. It is time we awaken to the fact that conformity to a sick society is to be sick. Anybody willing to admit with me this morning that I'm just a little bit sick too? Here's the truth. There's no just a little bit sick. (laughs) You're either sick or you're not. God needs to rescue us this morning. So Isaiah presents the problem. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Okay, what's the solution he presents? Well, here's the first thing he says. We need to hear God's invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. You have no money to buy what you really need. Do you hear me? Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. See, he's saying, listen. God is saying through Isaiah, listen, there's a better way to live your lives. There's a better way to spend my money, the time I've given you, the life I've given you, than spending it on stuff that doesn't satisfy And so God offers this invitation. And it's open to all, right? Isaiah says, come all. Well, it's not not quite open to all, actually. See, he goes on. He says, come all you who are thirsty. That's who this invitation is for. It's not actually for everybody. I mean, it's for everybody, but here's the requirement. You've got to know you're thirsty. Do you know you're thirsty? This morning, do you know the way that you spend God's money sometimes the way we all spend God's money sometimes 
We're looking for something that doesn't satisfy. Do you know you're thirsty for something and you're looking for a drink from a well that's dry? See, he's saying, are you tired of this? Are you tired of trying what doesn't work? And are you ready to try something that does? Are you tired, when we talk about Christmas spending, are you tired of being anxious and overwrought and anxiety-filled at Christmas time? Are you tired of worry and rush and bustle? Are you ready to try something different? See, I think there's two reasons we don't come. When God offers an invitation like this, I think there's two reasons we don't come. One is we don't know we're thirsty yet. We don't know we're thirsty. So some of you aren't ready to change the way you celebrate Christmas. Maybe it's because you don't know you're thirsty yet. Some of you aren't ready to change how you're living your lives. Maybe it's because you don't know you're thirsty yet. Do you know you are thirsty for what only God can give? Because if you aren't thirsty enough, everything else I say, everything else God's word says isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you tired of living life in old ways? Here's the second reason I don't think we come. It's because we figure, well, we've gone all these other places and they haven't satisfied, so is this really going to satisfy us? I mean, come on. Can God make good on those promises? Really? Here's the thing. With God, it's always more. (laughs) So when God invites the thirsty to come, he says, come to the waters. But... I'm not going to stop at water. Here, have some milk and wine too. Do you see how it just gets better with God? (laughs) Come eat what's good. All right, God, I'll come eat my vegetables. Okay, but it's not going to stop there. You will delight in the richest of fare. You're going to get a steak with me too. With God, it's always more and above and better than we expect. See, Jesus went to his disciples one time and he said, listen, guys, are you in or are you out? Right now, right here, there's people that are ducking out. Are you in or are you out? And Peter says to him, Lord, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? They're only from you. You have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? And they're in. And that's right. Jesus does have the words of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know what he says about the life he brings? He says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So life is only found in Jesus Christ. But listen, it's not a mundane life. It's not a deprived life. It's not a life of lack. It's an abundant life. Not a life abundant with stuff, but abundant with joy in any circumstance. Abundant with purpose that the world cannot give. Do you want this abundant life? So we hear God's invitation And here's what Isaiah says is next. Do we look to the king? We look to the king. See, this is the testimonial part of the advertisement, right? I'm going to show you, Isaiah says, I'm going to show you somebody who's gone before. He says, you remember David. Israel, you remember David. He was your best king. Those were the good old days. He experienced God. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, God says. My faithful love that I promised just like I promised it to David. 
See, I have made him a witness to the peoples. David, you read the Psalms, he's tasted this stuff. He's gone before us, he's tried this, and it is good. He says, God is the only thing that satisfies. He says, there is only one desire in my life, to seek the Lord and seek him in his temple and behold his beauty and inquire of him. I've tried it, it works, so come try it too. And you think, okay, but David's dead, right? Well, he was for the people Isaiah was talking to before, too. He was dead then, too. So why does Isaiah bring him up? He says, listen, David's a picture. Just like David was a witness, there's another witness, and he's even better. Just like David was a commander and a ruler and led us to follow God and taught us how to follow God, there's another leader, there's another ruler, there's another king, and his name, he is even better, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's who David is a picture of. The author of Hebrews says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, he's a pioneer. He went before us. He's already tried it. He's all in. And listen, he can tell you it's worth it. He spent for the kingdom of God. Not for earthly things. In fact, he spent all. He's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he spent everything. For what? For the joy set before him. That's you. Do you see? Jesus Christ spent everything. He endured the cross. He endured the shame for you. God so loved the world that he sent, he gave his only son that whoever would believe, whoever would know they are thirsty, would come and might have eternal life, an eternal relationship with God the way he's always intended it. See, he spent all for us. Christ spent all for us. So what's our response? To spend all for him. To spend our lives and our time and even God's money in ways for his kingdom. So do we look to the king? And once we do that, then we can embrace the new vision that sets before us. So this is where Isaiah says, look, there is something better than you've ever known. This is what life would be like if you made this choice. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. You gotta remember, Israel is this little tiny nation in the midst of vast empires. Why would anyone run to them? Because God has given them splendor. See, this is Israel driving out of their garage with that brand new truck. And all the neighbors around them are craning their necks and saying, Wow, where'd you get that? They say, The Lord our God has endowed us with splendor. In fact, it gets better than that. That's why Isaiah goes on to talk about a, a harvest that God brings. This is how good it gets. You know, when rain pours on the earth and there's a harvest, that's how good it is with God. In fact, it gets even better with it than that. It gets so good, Isaiah doesn't even have words to describe it. He just has to skip to poetry. It sounds ridiculous. The trees of the field will clap their hands. 
The mountains and the hills will burst forth with singing. What does that mean? I can't tell you what that means because it's too good to put into words. That's how good it is with our God. Are you ready to embrace a vision like that for our life? For your life? Even for your Christmas spending? For your everyday spending? So how can we be different? What does splendor look like? Wouldn't it be incredible if the way we celebrated Christmas showed off splendor to the world? How do we do that? How do we live and celebrate Christmas differently? Here's the answer. Godly simplicity. Godly simplicity. Well, what's simplicity? Simplicity is this, to want one thing. That's it. To want one thing. See, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Just want this. And all these things will be added unto you. Everything else will figure itself out. Just want this. Well, how do I, how do I know if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God? How do I know if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God when I go about celebrating my Christmas and planning for Christmas? Well, you know what Jesus ties it to is our anxiety level. You know what he says right before this? Before he says, seek first the kingdom of God, you know what he says? Don't be anxious about your life. What you wear or what you're going to eat or all that stuff. That's what people who don't follow God, that's what they're worried about. Why would you worry about this? God knows what you need. And he'll provide for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. So how do you know you're spending Christmas seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, the first indicator might be an absence of anxiety. How y'all been doing in Christmas's past? Has it been filled with anxiety or has it been absent of anxiety around all this stuff? This is what Richard Foster, how he defines simplicity. The inward reality of simplicity involves a life of joyful unconcern for possessions. Doesn't that sound beautiful? A joyful unconcern for possessions. That's what I want. Listen to this. This is, this is Richard E. Bird. He was a naval officer. He was an explorer. He spent months alone in the Arctic. And after doing that, this is what he wrote in his journal. I am learning that a person can live profoundly without masses of things. Do we know this? Do we have this vision for our lives that we can live profound lives and meaningful lives without masses of things? Does the way we live Christmas tell that story? So you say, great. Well, how do we do that? How do we live simply at Christmas? I want to give you just some really practical ideas here. First of all, I want you to know that spend less is what I'm saying, not spend nothing. You could take everything I said and you said, well, great, I can't spend anything on myself or my family. I just, my house looks, needs to look like the who's down in Whoville, right? A couple strings on the wall, empty strings, no stockings. No, spend less, don't spend nothing. There's a whole other message here that God gave us creation to enjoy, and he wants us to enjoy it. Milk and wine, remember, not just water. It's just we need to know the stuff doesn't satisfy, and we need to spend in a way that tells that story. 
So spend less, don't spend nothing. Here's maybe one thing you could think about. Lower the Christmas budget. Here's what one church did that celebrated this uh, Advent conspiracy. They challenged everybody in their body. (laughs) You ready for this? This is going to hurt. They challenged everybody in their body to spend half of what they normally would at Christmas time. And just see. Test God in this. Just see if you don't have a more joyful, anxiety-free Christmas because you are surrendering stuff back to him. And you know life isn't found here and satisfaction isn't found here. It's found in him. Can we spend less this Christmas? So that's the first thing. Lower the budget. Ouch. Maybe half the budget. So what do we do with all that money then? I mean, if I spend half of what I normally spend at Christmas, I'm going to have, there's going to be money I expected to spend that I'm not going to spend. Well, first of all, I won't go into debt. That's a good thing. But then, you know what I can do with some of that money? I can create greater impact, not for stuff, but for what really matters, for the kingdom of God. So we have opportunities here for that. We have our Christmas blessings program. You've been hearing announcements about that. You can still sign up for that this week or next week, I think is the deadline. Christmas blessings where you get to sign up and spend God's money on behalf of another family who's struggling this Christmas so that they can put some smiles on their faces. And it's not just about, it's not about the stuff. It's so that they can see the hands and feet of Jesus reached out in love to them this Christmas season. You could have an impact like that. You know what we have out this that you might have noticed when you walked in because you might have rolled your eyes when you saw a Christmas tree already in the lobby. Is it out there? I think it's out there. I haven't been to the lobby. Okay, it's out there. Thanks. <laughs> I was into the lobby this morning. There's a Christmas tree out there. Why is there a Christmas tree out there? Well, it's an angel tree. One of our ministry partners is New Life Home for Women and Children, for Mothers and Children in Glen Rock, PA. It's a ministry that houses uh, moms and their, their kids who have come under hard times for whatever reasons. And helps them find recovery and life and healing all in the name of Jesus Christ. And you can go to that tree out there and there's tags on it. You can grab a tag and it just says one thing to buy. Just one thing to buy for somebody else that you don't know, but that God does. And I can spend God's money, even just a little bit of God's money, so some of his kids can receive love from him. Again, it's not about the gift. You're buying a thing, but it's not about the thing. It's about the hands that give the thing to that family and they experience the love of Christ in there. The half you don't spend could go like that. We'll be, we'll be gathering as a family of grace. In coming weeks, you're going to hear more about this around some projects this Christmas season. One local ministry project that we can pour out God's money on to bless others who are in need. One local project and one international project. You'll hear more announcements coming this week. But if you have your Christmas budget, that's some of the places you could put that half that you're not going to spend on your family. What about the half you do spend? Well, the half you do spend or the amount you do spend, whatever God is calling you, to wisely invest his money at Christmas time, to show love for your family and for others, you could spend in more impactful ways. So don't buy lots of stuff. Buy gifts that are meaningful. You could buy fair trade. 
Instead of buying stuff that might have been produced by underpaid workers in another country, you could seek out fair trade gifts, beautiful gifts that are made by those around the world who are actually being paid fair wages and a gift that would actually provide them resource just like God has given us resource. That's one way you could spend some of the money you spend for others at Christmas. Another way is we have cards out there for, we have catalogs, alternative gift-giving catalogs. You know that person that's hard to buy for because they've got everything and you don't know what to, or they want nothing. Dads and grandpas are great at this. As they get older, I, I, I don't want anything for Christmas. Okay, you know what you can buy them? You can buy them a goat. Not for them to take care of, for somebody else in another country to take care of. Dad, I didn't know what to get you for Christmas. I blessed a family halfway around the world in your name. That's a gift to be grateful for. I'd take that. So there's catalogs out there. There's these cards that point you to online catalogs for alternative gift giving. What's a, what's a way you could do it? Maybe even with your own Christmas list. How could we simplify our own Christmas list or the kids' Christmas list? Here's a, here's a phrase I heard uh, a week or two ago, and it really impacted me. It says this, Possess only what is necessary and a few things that bring you pleasure. Huh. Doesn't that sound like godly simplicity? Possess only what is necessary and a few things that bring you pleasure. Can I make my Christmas list like that this year? Can I guide my kids to make their Christmas list like that this year? And could we see an impact of greater joy? Does this sound like a vision we could embrace together this Christmas? And doesn't it sound this? Doesn't it sound free? Doesn't it sound free? See, so for so many years, we've spent our Christmases, I've, I've spent Christmases trying to worship God and spending lots of money on things that don't fill. You know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, where you give, that's what you're worshiping. And Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other. Or he will love one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and money. And if I look back at Christmas's past, I've tried to worship God and money both. And I want to stop. How about you? So we embrace a new vision. And finally... What's left, just, just do it. <laughs> this is the call to action from any good commercial. Don't wait, call now, just do it. Isaiah says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Listen, Isaiah's talking far more about about a whole lot more than our Christmas spending here, right? It's talking about our very lives. Have you gotten thirsty enough in your life? If you've never turned to Jesus Christ, have you gotten thirsty enough into your, in your life to recognize life is found nowhere else? And will you turn? Will you turn to him today? Because he came that you might have life and have it to the full. But life found anywhere else is empty 
life. So will you turn? And will we turn, even in every area of our lives, even how we spend God's money, even how we spend it at Christmas time, will we turn from old ways that didn't fill us up anyway to a new way that tells a story of surrender of all of our lives, that shows off God's glory in our lives in a way the world can't touch that makes others crane their necks. Say, where'd you get a life like that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are king over every area of our lives. Whether we recognize it or not, you are in charge. God, I ask that truth would sink deep in us today, that we would know that you are our king, that we would listen to your voice as you call us and invite us to a simpler way. If we've never responded to your life before, may I I pray that every heart listening here, every heart online listening, that you would break through to them in a way today that maybe you never have before that they would hear your invitation to an abundant life that's only found in you. That they would surrender finally, fully, freely, all for you, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, for, for those of us who are just tired, God, if we're not tired, make us tired. Make us exhausted at our way of doing things. Wear us out so that we start a new story this Christmas, so that we continue a story maybe you've been writing for years this Christmas, but in a bold way, in a fresh way, in a way that shows off your splendor, Lord, in our lives, that others might see, that others might be in awe of choices, even little choices we make. And when they question, when they wonder, we can point to you and say, oh, that's all because of him. That's where my life is found and nowhere else. We declare you as king over our hearts today, Lord Jesus. We love you. We turn our hearts to worship you fully now. In your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Grace, would you stand with me and let's worship our king together. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.